You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John Seymour Lee, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hi, everyone. It is John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. Uh, welcome back to the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. I can't believe that we are in the wonderful, fabulous month of July. And uh, for those of you that missed out um, just a few days ago, the J. Moore Tech Talk Show, J. Moore Unboxing and J. Moore Reviews channel shows actually celebrated its second birthday at the Oakland Public Library. Would like to extend an official uh, thank you to all the folks at BJ's, especially Donna, for doing an amazing job uh, with the cake. Really uh, appreciate that. And uh, in addition to that, I want to um, thank um, Nicholas Romanello for coming out from the Franklin Lakes EMT and talking to us about some very interesting topics. They're very serious about having people live a great life and being able to use those wonderful services uh, when they should need them. All right. We had a great time. We had cake. We had fun. And we're going to be doing more live shows. So uh, if you are in the New Jersey area, well, reach out to us. And uh, we're actually getting people on the show uh, for our live shows within a month or less. And our non-live shows are actually taking about three or four months. So uh, we are making more priority for people that uh, want to come to our studio in person. So definitely want to share that with you. We've got lots of stuff happening. So um, the new, uh, it's, just, it's the new uh, AR VR headset, which some of you may or may not be familiar with. Anyway, uh, that headset um, is supposed to launch Apple saying sometime in January, and it's going to have an M2 chip in it along with 16 gigs of RAM. Now, Apple's mixed reality headset um, has had lots of rumors for months, as you know, and uh, it indicates that uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. And so remember, augmented reality, VR is virtual reality. So when we talk about um, augmented reality and virtual reality, you know what the difference is? So what, if I asked you right now, what is the difference? between augmented AR and VR? What, what, what do you think is the difference? So augmented reality augments your surroundings by adding digital elements to a live view, often by using a camera or a smartphone. Virtual reality 
is completely immersive experiences that replace the real life environment with a simulated one. So hopefully uh, that helps you guys and um, you know what's coming up the pike. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with that. But but we'll keep um, an eye on that to let you know you know what's going on. And um, next, I would like to uh, definitely welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk show. Uh, I've been talking about him for a little bit of a while. And I want to let you know that um, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. His name is actually um, Tristan Pelux. And uh, Tristan uh, has a lot of interesting information to share with us. Um you know, a lot of times when, you know, we get guests on the show, you're saying to me, John, you know, who's coming on the show? What's it about? And I think the interesting thing about this next guest is that he not only has experience in the world, but he also has, um, I'm going to call it immersive experience. So what does that mean? It means that he not only has the book knowledge about what's going on, but he's very well tuned into how it works because he's part of this like every single day in his life. And I think that's really interesting when we can have a guest uh, that can come on our show, um, you know, that can do stuff like that. So he's going to be talking to us about uh, FinTech. And um, if you want a little know a little more about Tristan. So he is a uh, person that deals with management consulting businesses, uh, he does some executive coaching, uh, but the thing that really uh, is interesting to me about Tristan is what he's done with um, fintech and his experience uh, in that in an industry, as well as with leadership and how um, different other authorities have um, you know sought him for advice. And uh, very interesting to learn because fintech is a very new world. So without any further ado, I would definitely like to welcome Tristan uh, Pelux to uh, the Jay Moore Tech Talk show tonight here. So welcome, Tristan. Well, Marcus, that was really uh, interesting. Uh, I got to tell you, experience uh, listening to him and all the things he had to say. I know that people will definitely appreciate fintech a little bit more than hopefully they did before. And I know what you're saying. You know, fintech is just for the banks, but it's not. It's for our corporate America every single day of our life. And if you don't embrace that, uh, you're going to miss some very, very big boats. All right. In other news, you know, um, Lyft drivers uh, all across the country uh, with Uber and Lyft are having issues with uh, what they're claiming is um, this group of drivers, Uber and Lyft, are uh, basically being accusing the companies of unfairly controlling how much passengers are charged for rides in this new antitrust lawsuit in California. In fact, this lawsuit seeks a class action status in San Francisco's Superior Court and the alleged violations of California's antitrust law and state prohibiting unfair business practices. The drivers claim that if they were able to offer lower prices to the consumers, they'll provide drivers with the most competitive compensation. So this is definitely going to be something interesting. And then recently, uh, a Lyft driver actually stood up 
against passengers uh, with a racist comment. So I have to say that there's really no tolerance in you guys, those of you that know me. I have a very strong case when it comes to discrimination against uh, uh, race, color, creed, sexual orientation, color, uh, or anything else, you know, political uh, denomination. You know, it's about learning to get along in this wonderful world. Well, you know, I don't know where our time's gone. I know we had uh, quite a bit of time with uh, Tristan today, and hopefully you guys had enjoyed that. Uh, we have another great show coming up, don't worry, uh, on July 8th. So um, in the meantime, be sure to check all our great shows. If you missed the Jay Moore uh, Tech Talk birthday party, well, it is online for you to go ahead and see. And uh, unfortunately, we can't send you any cake. Uh, but it was great. We had cake. We had uh, different types of mini pastries. We had water. And we even had some uh, promo items for people to take home that we actually made uh, right here at Orbital Media. So thank you so much for supporting um, the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, Jay Moore Unboxing, and Jay Moore Reviews. And unfortunately, guys, I got to say goodbye for today. But don't worry. I'll be back next Friday night at 5.30 p.m. Remember, we're looking for local guests to be on our show right here in our Oakland uh, studio where we've been broadcasting and hope to be broadcasting even more right in the bottom of the Oakland Public Library. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Once again, it is John C. Morley, uh, serial entrepreneur here with the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And I am very pleased once again to welcome to our stage uh, Tristan Pelux, uh, who comes to us with a very interesting background, as you guys have learned just before when I made the introduction. Uh, Tristan, welcome. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, John. So I have to ask a question. When we say the word fintech, let's kind of do like I call a DOS for dummies. Let's dumb that down for the people. What does that actually mean for the people out there that may have no clue what that is? Sounds like a great word. Yeah, I know there, there's a lot of confusion uh, when it comes to fintech, but very simply, it's just a contraction of the word finance and technology. So it's when you use technology to deliver financial services. Um, now it's been associated a lot with innovative startups, but it all comes down to using technology to simplify finance or deliver finance. Um, so it's not particularly new. It's been it's been around for, for a very long time. For as long as we've used technology to to deliver finance, yeah, fintech has been around. I notice that it's been around for a while, Tristan, but it's just starting to become popular. Like it's been around for a while, but it's like getting a new birth, isn't it? Like it's just kind of taking a new, I guess, a new uh, presence or 
uh, a new position, I guess, in the global marketplace because it wasn't so popular many years ago. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it really it really exploded after the financial crisis because what happened is that banks were quite uh, quite uh, on low, and then it created a space for lots of companies to come in, and where where we saw it being very visible is all the the retail focused fintech. So it's when the neo banks, the, the digital brokers started coming in that actually a lot of people kind of saw what fintech was about. Um, and this is where, you know, it, it really became, as you say, much more visible and much more in front of us. Yeah, right in front of your face. Like, it's like, it's here, right? You know, we're, we've always yeah. been paying with our phone, but now it's becoming no more of a luxury for a lot of people. It's becoming a necessity. We all heard a nomophobo, like we can't go anywhere without our phone or connect with our phone. But now it's like we can't pay, we can't do other things without our mobile devices because it's linked to our finances. And I know just recently our company made a big change. Uh, May 1st, we've always been automated being a technology company and, and owning a few companies, is that people waste a lot of time in life doing financial things. Like billing, we were wasting over 40 hours a week billing. We automated our billing and we went to an enterprise accounting online system. And now from the moment an innovate invoice is generated to payment, it's like there's this tracking and some people like it, some people don't. But I have to tell you one thing, it's saving us time, uh, it's saving us money, obviously, and it's bringing revenue in faster. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think uh, a lot of... Uh... Lot of innovation that has come is like through automation, as you say, um, <clears throat> for accounting and re uh, reconciliation, lots of stuff that were, you know, painful, and uh, <clears throat> you can you can automate so many things uh, thanks to to technology, um, and and there is still a lot to do, uh, you know, especially when, as you say. Um, a lot of invoicing that is useless, a lot of reconciliation, trying to figure out what you need to pay when. Uh, exactly. And we always had systems that could do scheduling and we could write checks. We don't write checks anymore. So you're like, hmm. what do you mean you don't write checks? We send an, in, uh, an invite out to our portal. They fill out their bank account information and we pay them via ACH. They look at me like, hmm. what do you mean? Well, you put your bank. Oh, I don't know if I want it. Well, that's how we pay now. Like, we don't pay you by check. We don't mail yeah. checks. If we mail a check to you, it'll go through a third party and you'll probably get in a week or two, like from when mm. it's due. So that's happening. But, you know, when we think about this, one of the biggest challenges is, I don't know about you, but when you go to reconcile uh, a bank account and now reconciling one is not a big deal. We have to reconcile five or six of them. It becomes a little more challenging. And you know how you have to get all the zeros right, the pennies right. And I've always been a person where I don't put extra entries in there to make a balance. I want to know where that nickel is, where that penny is. I don't want to put mm. that in. But now, uh, Tristan, they've made it so easy with our system that every single day, uh, a bank aggregation happens. And it actually connects to our banks, pulls down all the deposits, all the transactions, and they can be categorized. So that once the rule's in there, it saves so much time, doesn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, same for me. Everything is automated, and uh, and you don't have to you don't have to think about oh, what is this payment about? It's like oh, it's already in my accounting system. 
Um, and as you categorize stuff, then it, the next ones are categorized automatically. Um, you know, it's it's saving a lot of time. And uh, and because, at, as you said, at the end of the day, what you care about is not really the financial operation. What you care about is selling something, buying something. You know, you care about buying a house. You don't care about getting a mortgage. Uh, so the financial product is actually underpinning underpinning what you want to do as an individual or as a business. Uh, so it's great that it's being automated and it's going, you know, it's becoming invisible. Security is very important. So we can't neglect that, obviously. And the thing is, there's becoming that trust factor. But I think in a, a year or two years, we're not going to be writing checks anymore. I think checks mm. are going to be gone. I mean, there's still some people that are going to have a checkbook, but I think that's that's going away. And I think as more people start to understand that we start with a process, like even the quoting system has started online, the prospecting system has started online, and it just goes through that whole funnel. But I have to ask you, Tristan, so what actually got you interested in uh, the fintech industry and how did you become involved? So I was uh, working in London in corporate strategy for a bank. So I was actually monitoring what was going on in the industry, what are you know, the new, new innovations uh, coming out, what are new competitors doing or old ones as well. Um, so, and I started working in corporate strategy in 2015. So at that point, really, as, as we were saying earlier, you started to have all these new, new like shiny fintechs that are retail focused, and I got super interested in in innovation and what uh, companies were doing to try to solve people's problem or businesses' problems. Um, and this is how it all started. And uh, you know, a few years later, I'm still super interested in what what's going on and how uh, how new and old companies are trying to solve uh, problems through technology. What do you think is the greatest innovation in the fintech industry today? Um, for me, I'm, I'm really, I really like the democratization of, of finance in the sense, the ability to invest in a range of assets that were before that not available. So before you could buy, you know, equity, but now you can buy anything and everything through ETFs and and other other type of products. So uh, because I've studied finance and economics, I quite like that now as an individual, you don't need a lot of money to build a very diversified portfolio and, and well-balanced. And this is what yeah, innovation uh, has brought to you. And it's super cheap now to, to do like a balanced portfolio with some equity, some real estate, some bonds, whatever is from gold some crypto you can you can put whatever you want into into your portfolio um and this was not possible before uh, you look you know 20 30 years back it was only wealthy people that could do that we don't get into talking too much about crypto uh for certain reasons but what i want to tell you is that it's changed i don't really do anything with crypto but it, it, it changed because the perception to what they told people and what it is it's different and you got people that are basically, how can I say, back trailing because you got some people losing their shirt. You got some people doing well, but a lot of people are putting their life savings on the line and they don't really understand 
Uh, I, I don't like to relate it to a used car salesman, but I have to in this case because they're really some of them are getting conned by these people that want them to come on board and they make money because other people and pyramid schemes and things like that. And mm. I think our government's starting to get very concerned, not just in the perspective that they're not making any money, so they're really clamping down, but I think they're also getting pretty concerned about the fraud issues, right? No, definitely. I think that um, a lot of people are attracted by crypto because they see the gains, the potential gains, and you have all these great stories of how uh, you know I put a thousand dollars and now I have like three hundred thousand dollars or this kind of of stuff. But um, so it's obviously attractive in in an environment where your bank is giving you you know one percent on your money a year. Uh, so you're like, you know, this get rich quick kind of scheme, but it's, it's not very regulated. Now we're coming to it. Uh, as you say, the SEC is, is uh, doubling down on, on, on their fraud task force, um, targeting crypto. Uh, so we're going to get to a more regulated environment and there's still some nice like innovation coming out of it, but there is a lot of lot of shady stuff happening um and this comes from the fact that it's not a level playing field uh where, with traditional finance is that traditional finance has a lot of compliance that you don't have in in the crypto industry uh, at the moment so i want to be clear to everyone here watching so we're very careful um you know we have lots of advertisers and we have lots of people uh syndicating our channel all over the united states and over the world so we don't actually get into crypto, we're not advising you to do something or not do something. All we're telling you right now is that if you decide to go that way, just do your research, do your homework and make sure you're doing things properly. Because sometimes that shiny coin, right, Tristan, is is not really as shiny uh, as it appears from the other side of the fence. But a question I think yeah, is yeah. still coming to, a, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> They, they don't understand. No, that I was point. just going to say yes. Sir. Yeah. 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 It, it's definitely a problem. But, you know, a big issue, um, people still say to me, John, I get what you're saying about about fintech, but I don't get what you're saying. Well, let me summarize it for you. Fintech is a very fancy, posh, sexy word <laughs> that is meant to encompass everything having to do with software, mobile applications and other types of IoT technologies to create improve, automate, manage, and track pay and credit finances. That's really what FinTech is. Um, it's a way of using your technology. So what I want to ask you, Tristan, is when you've been working on this, what do you think um, your greatest strength in the FinTech world is? Because obviously you've been in it for a while. What's your greatest strength in this in this world? So what I really like to do, and I've been doing this for, for quite a while, is uh, is trying to connect the dots. So trying to connect um, seemingly um, unrelated events. So, you know, a company is doing something, another company is doing something else. Trying to connect this to try to identify trends. Um, and this was, it was part of my job, so I still do it now. And um, I really like doing this uh, because sometimes you miss stuff uh, because, you know, something is happening and then you get, you have so much information coming at you all the time that sometimes it's naturally hard to 
connect the dots. Um, but uh, I think I'm quite good at figuring out what's happening and uh, and the, the underlying trends in, in the industry. I have to say, you know, when we talk about finances, fintech or whatever it is, anytime you do business with someone, there's always has to be a level of trust, right? Hmm. But when you deal with finances, there has to be like an added level of trust. My question for you, because this can be daunting for a lot of people. What should a person or a business look for when they're going to employ or uh, change uh, to something that is very high tech in, in the fintech world? What should they be looking for, some benchmarks uh, to make sure that they're going to make a good decision? Is there some advice you can give us on that end? Yeah, no, as you say, you know, when it comes to money, uh, uh, there, there needs to be a bit much more trust uh, in, in the relationship. That's why usually you have so many intermediaries in, 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 in finance. So I would say, you know, looking at any regu relevant regulation, um, because it's boring, but compliance actually tells you if a company is, is following the rules. So if, if it's in a, if it's a part of finance where you need to be regulated, just check that they're regulated, check how long they've been around, like what, what clients do they have? uh how big they are you know actually like a big fintech is is most is more trustworthy than, than a smaller one that just started and is not regulated um so i i usually look at all these all these aspects um before electing to to choose a service from a, from a provider um so it's kind of the credentials uh, more or less so looking at their background history, kind of their track record a little bit, uh, because sometimes you get these these fintech companies and they just popped up out of nowhere, which is okay, mm. but you and I necessarily don't want to be the guinea pig, which is why we weren't doing bank aggregation when it was out a few years ago. We didn't trust bank aggregation. We didn't know if it was really going to work. Wall Street was using it, but it wasn't perfect enough. It almost reminds me, Tristan, like the military. They're light years ahead of us in things that they share with us. I think it's about 10 years difference to what they share. And the fintech world is different as well. Do you think there's a difference in the fintech for the stock market and the trading market as there is for fintech and people's businesses? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're right, is that you always have the early adopters and then it becomes mainstream at some point, but there is always quite quite a lag between between the two. Um, yeah, as you say, so kind of infrastructure fintech or fintech that is uh, that is meant for businesses rather than customers has been around for longer. So you have you have more, let's say, advanced technology in that field, um, but. But we're not so so much, uh, you know, behind behind it in terms of the le the level of technology is about the same. It's how you apply it to to like to whatever you want to do, um, and uh, it's more it's naturally more complex, uh, capital markets and and trading than retail banking. But they also can have somebody's rear if something's wrong and something aggregates wrong. They're going to have somebody's head. 
You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When it happens in a piece of personal software and it doesn't aggregate properly, oh, it's just a bug. If it happens on Wall Street, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to lose their job or there might be legal implications. It's it's funny how that happens. Uh, but there's actually two um, main things I think people should look at. One is HIPAA. Uh, many of you may or may not know, but it was the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Uh, and it's a federal law that requires uh, the creation of national standards to protect HPHI, personal health information, such as you can't transmit this information um, over email. But it's more than that. When you go to a doctor's office, they're not even supposed to put your name down on the sign-in sheet. It's supposed to be digital or they're supposed to peel off the name as soon as you sign it so that nobody could see that you signed like it's just kind of kept really confidential the other big one as we all know and you probably know is sarbanes oxley uh for the financial industry so sarbanes oxley um act was of 2002 and um it was a law uh, the united states congress passed on july 20th in 2002 and of the year to help protect investors from fraudulent financial reporting uh this goes into but not limited to people that were doing Ponzi schemes, uh, people that were um, buying when they knew about inside information, we call it insider trading. Uh, what do you feel about that, Tristan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if if you ever worked for a, for a listed company like, like I do, um, and you work on, on very sensitive uh, topics, insider trading is, is always like, not a concern, but there you're you're really restricted in the things that you can do. Uh, for instance, I wasn't able to buy or sell shares from from the bank I was working at, or buy or sell shares from competitors and stuff like that to avoid any any insider trading. Uh, so it's really it's really tight usually at at um, at listed companies for that reason. For the risks that, that there are uh, with um, with prosecution, because you know, like you you seen in Wall Street the movie, um, and in the eighties it was a bit more a bit more free, um, and you would call your buddy, oh yeah, like why don't you buy the share of this company? I've heard that, uh, I've heard that it's going to sell because I work at this company, so it's normal that it's quite um, it's quite regulated and and um, it's it's for the for the right reasons, right? In the past, I think it was an innocent mistake. <laughs> now it's become more of something that we know it's wrong and we still do it in the beginning. It was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I could get a jump on it. But now it's like, you know what you're doing is actually fraud. It's mm. actually a prosecutable offense because you're taking away from stockholders dollars that are actually investing in your basically frauding the value of the stock. 
So, so that's a problem. What do you think besides security, Tristan, is, is the hardest thing for you and for companies in, in the fintech industry to, to grab uh, their hands around? Um, I see, I, I see a lot of companies have a great idea, but they're not so clear on how they're going to monetize it. And um, this comes from the fact that you have lots of entrepreneurs coming at, at uh, financial services, fintech from other industries uh, and they're saying that they can replicate some of the models that they, they, they've seen elsewhere. So it, it works partly and I think it's a great impulse you know, coming from other industries, but it's harder uh, to monetize a product in financial services because of all the additional rules that you might have. So the, the biggest challenge I see is sustainable business models uh, and lots of companies don't have one. To just have venture capital money that they spend and they acquire customers, and it's not uh, economically sustainable. Um, so they they're never going to break profit, or they're never going to make a decent amount of profit. So with sustainability, what we really mean is that the company hasn't done the research to make sure that their assets are protected. They're kind of just flying on a wing or a whim. And I think some fintech companies do that, hopefully not too many, but some of the big challenges that are still coming around, as we mentioned, data security, compliance with government regulations is, is huge. Uh, personalized services to manage the industry, but still stay personalized. Uh, and how do you retain users when your brother, your mother and other people's services keep competing for a nickel less? blockchain integration and AI. But how is this affecting uh, the world? When we talk about AI and fintech, what light can you shed for us on where AI is going in the fintech industry? So I think that, uh, you know, um, AI is, is being used by, by various companies in, in fintech. The issue you, you have is that, for instance, could be great for... Uh, credit scoring or like uh, assessing risk um, when you when you do instead of having people doing it. The issue is uh, is always a, the same for AI is if you have a black box that makes a decision that you can't really explain. Um, so that's where you find the limitation of, of AI, for instance, in financial services where it could be really useful. But the problem is that you would need to still break it down and still understand how you came to that decision usually for uh, for regulatory reasons. So they're, they're, it's still super useful for per personalization, but actually it's not you know, super developed AI to, to know how like, you know, categorization, for instance, it's not really AI, it's just a rule-based algorithm. So there's a lot of talks about, about AI in, in many sectors, but when you look down in really deep into it, it's usually not not actually AI as as we as we mean it. It's more some smart algorithms. Um, but you still have lots of things that you can do, you know, through automation and and smart algorithms. We talk about being smart and algorithms, and again, not being anywhere near the complexity of where AI can go with cameras and all kinds of other technology that can learn and stuff like that. I mean, we can learn from certain predictions, but not in the same way. What I like about fintech is that you can get 
a bird's eye view, or you can get a complete snapshot of your finances in real time. You don't have to go run reports, compile anything. It's just there. Usually in colors and dashboards are very easy to read. And so I find fintech to be very user-friendly and not just the way it presents information, but everything seems very intuitive in fintech. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think this is one one thing that many new entrants realize is that banks were bad at user experience and uh, and customer experience. So they were like, okay, you know, how do we make this much better for for our users? So this is where they they came in, and and it forced also banks and established companies to rethink a bit uh, and be more like you know user centric. Um, and, and it's also part of a wave of, of new startups that are you know, thinking about the users before thinking about the product. So taking the, like a, a very, a very different approach to I'm building a product. Here you go. You must love it to you. Okay. What do I actually need? And I'm going to build what you need. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite refreshing. So in the past, and I think fintech companies today are still having this wrestling problem, is that they build, like you said, they build what they want to build, but they're not actually building the way the client needs it. In fact, what I see the challenge with fintech, and you may agree or disagree with me, is that I see that everything in a lot of fintech, not every fintech companies, but a lot of fintech companies, they treat it all like a banking situation. They don't treat it as a retail, as a point of sale as a accounting system they treat it strictly as banking and i think that's a problem yeah uh, i think it's a problem if you think about you know what i was saying is that if you think in terms of product instead of thinking about customer journey um and if you think in terms of customer journeys then you think about like how the product should look like so if you think car loans you think about like the process of buying a car um, and you think about, okay, how, how does the product, how should it look like? And, and same for a mortgage. And so you, you, you think much more about what is the person trying to do? Why are they getting some finance product? Um, and then you look at how you should, you should build it or same what you were saying around, okay, a person goes into an app, they want to know, their, their situation and they want they want it to be clear they want like you know this kind of breakdown um and you only know that by by talking to customers and talking to users and be like okay actually what do you need what do you want and and then you you develop something and you validate and you iterate and and you do this this process over and over again until you get some product that is good enough for the majority of your users I think the biggest challenge when we talk about how it's developed, I think it comes from the birth of the fact of fintech came from everything being banking. And when we market it to have to do with banking, we're not actually handling the issue that the client may have. Like how do they pay the local store for a bagel? When they go into this app, which a lot of times isn't written by the bank, it's written by a third party, it's very clumsy. 
And once you get past all their security and you get in there, oh, sorry, you timed out. Now you got to go back in again or your face ID or something nonsense. So I think these, even these big banks, which I'm not going to mention names, they don't develop their own applications. But where I see we're going to be going is more applications are going to revolve around, uh, let's call it the life cycle of transactions in a personal as well as a business world. That could be a car lease, so many things. You don't have stuff like that right now. They don't show you what your car pays. They just show you that you could pay the bill. But it doesn't revolve around people's life or the way they do transactions. And uh, I see it being a problem because a lot of these fintech companies, they market the way they've been told, which is to market like the bank has been showing them, which is the way um, all financial industries have been working. They they don't understand that, I guess, that new market niche that I think I'm going to say more than 50 or 60% of the fintech industry doesn't understand either. Yeah, no, it's it's quite hard to to change the way you talk about about finance. Um, and I mean, I, I've looked a lot into it, and especially when I was in corporate strategies, that how do you you know talk about finance without talking about the products? So without talking about like a loan, a credit card, a mortgage, how do you talk about it? So how do you describe to describe to customers and they understand it? It's super hard. Um, but I agree with you is that we're going to um, we're going to a world of more embedded finance, uh, and it's quite you know it's it's a, it's a strong trend embedded finance and embedded banking. What that means is just finance being embedded much more in the customer journey and the customer experience. So it becomes invisible, it becomes like kind of seamless in in the way you 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 go about and and do a, a, um, and do a customer journey that requires finance then it's embedded in into it it's not separated that you need to go and grab your loan and grab your mortgage yeah and and i think you you said a mouthful there uh there's an acronym i use it's called aed you might have heard of it before acquire engage and delight so we have to uh, basically acquire um, our clients, right? Um, and then we have to engage them and then we have to delight them on a regular basis. And I think the problem with that is that a lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, that typical model. But like you said, you know, um, the buyer's journey, right? That That is, I think that's where we're going. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. 
Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. And people have to understand the new, the new stages of the buyer's journey now that it's, now that it's becoming digital. Uh, and knowing that we start out with, like I said, we start out with an acquire, uh, then we uh, an awareness phase, basically. Then we go to a consideration. Then we go to a decision. So this is even happening in software. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, uh, inquire, engaging, delighting, that's what we need to do with what we have. But the journey actually starts out with how we as a company or as an individual are part of this set of three viable stages for any sales. The awareness stage where the prospect is experiencing the uh, withdrawal s- uh, syndrome that I got a problem. I don't know how to solve it. I'm not really sure, but I know I got this problem. Like I got to manage my employees. My payroll is a disaster. I can't link my my HR system. What do I do? Well, now I consider. So now I'm going to start looking at other solutions and groups out there. And then I make a decision. So a big thing I saw a lot, Tristan, uh, in the last year or two is that payroll systems have now become more integrated into HRIS systems, where they're not only taking the user who is actually applying for a job, posting for the job, tracking their applicant tracking system, going back from applicant tracking after applicant tracking, they then get into um you know, they're hiring uh, into their their HR system, which is HRS, um, HR Information Systems Management, and then uh, to handle their payroll. So that's a fintech uh, case, isn't it, too? Yes, I think, um, you know, as you say, everybody is fighting to to be that piece of software that is in the middle. And then other are developing kind of niche parts of it. Uh, so... And and so you have this battle of everybody is trying to to get in the center because if you're in the center, you're the one who's getting more of the value, and then you have all this integration of various things to have this kind of seamless journey. Uh, HR, ERPs, a lot of stuff are like you know try to all block and they're together. they're morphing into each other, all trying to become part of everything, which hmm. it is part of it. But I don't think companies can become this overnight. You know, I mean, it's it's a great world where it's all interconnected, but there's a lot of pieces to this. And you got to have the right thing set up, even as something as simple as an automated invoice system. You have to have the right templates set up. You have to understand what your terms are. You have to set up pricing lists. There's so many things you have to do. I think the big challenge that I see with fintech is that they rush to the design phase, the development phase and a delivery phase that they have something that doesn't look great. And then it becomes an issue of, well, our system's not built out enough, but you know, we're just starting. Why do you even bother to release something that doesn't have onboarding functionality? Why do you release something that isn't going to be user concentric? Why? Well, we're just getting started. Why do you have a time clock that doesn't even allow people to clock in and clock out. You just have to manually key in hours. I mean, why do you even build something half A like this? I mean, it, it it boggles my mind. I think the user interface, of course, the functionality and security is paramount. But I think assuming that the uh, fintech companies got security, which has got to be a given, and then, um, you know, they got the process right, they got to have a great user interface. Otherwise, I'm going to another company. No, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's all part of this uh 
of this trend that you know you try to go to MVP as, as fast as possible and, and release something and then you'll figure it out. Um, and you do that because you try to raise money most of the time. So you're like, okay, I need to have something to show to my investors. I need some traction. So I need, I'm going to release something, get a bunch of users, even if they're not happy and they're not sticky and whatever. Um, like most of the time I'll throw some money at it. I'll give you like 50, I'll give you 100, you, you just joined. So then I can turn around and tell potential investors, look, I have all these users. Um, and you don't say that they're not sticky or that everybody's saying that your product is shit. And this is just part of this kind of trying to But I think you're better fast. off to take it as a silo. So if I'm writing an HRIS system, okay? I tell me, look, we're starting as an HRIS system, we're developing a tracking system, and then we're going to develop a payroll system. It's coming. I don't want to give you a half a system. So here's our HR, here's our uh, HR system, or here's our applicant tracking system. Let me know your feedback. Then we're going to start developing. I think that's a better way of moving forward. What do you think? Rather than just trying to throw me the whole darn kitchen sink and hope that I might like a piece or two in it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of companies, what they do is uh, is they start with solving a very specific problem. Um, and then from there, you might build something else, but just focus on solving something really well. Uh, and it can be super tiny. I don't know. It can be like calendars or I don't know, like super niche. For instance, lots of payment companies kind of started as a payment companies and then and then they evolved and, and they're they're becoming bigger. But they were like, okay, we are there is this issue, we're gonna be like the best at solving this issue. And then you you try to build around it. But rather that, as you say, you've got oh, the I'm right gonna... mousetrap there, Tristan. Yeah. You've got to figure out what problem you're solving, what pain hmm. you're solving for. And I'll, and 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 market that. Because well, gee, I want a, a payroll system. Well, I know you want hmm. that are we're working on that but it's not ready yet to be shown i think mm. that's a better way to go because at least i know that you put the time into something that works and now i know when you come out of the payroll system it's going to be good uh that's always been my philosophy in all the development we've done we may want to put 500 features in there but i may only allow 100 to release because i'm only happy with the way those got coded or the way those are um being disseminated in the user interface or the flow I think a lot of people, like you said, they just try to stick things together like Band-Aids and uh, cheap glue and pop stick, popsicle sticks, and hope that it might just hold together. Uh, and then they got to deal with all these people where they get an attrition rate of 50%, but they don't care because they make their cancellation process complicated or they make the uh, the claim that you know they're not a full-service fintech platform. We're a self-service platform, and we don't do full service. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I, I think that um, uh, a lot of, of companies out there are trying to solve too many problems at the same time. And, you know, it's it's a bit like the problem if you're not focusing is that you're doing everything, you're trying to do everything, but you're doing everything wrong rather than you know, doing one thing right. Uh, and uh, that, that, that tends to be a, a big problem. Yeah. I think people need to be um, not in a rush to choose their fintech solution. I think they need to research 
They need to demo a couple of them, see how it works, run through a trial phase. And if a company doesn't give you a trial phase, I don't think that company is worth me even potentially investing my money in for their service or their product. Because if they don't care enough about me and my business flow, or I can't reach their tech support, why would I even want to give them a dime? Because they have a fancy website. And a lot of times they have these fancy websites, Tristan, but then when you get to the software, the software looks like it was written in the 1900s. Oh, well, that's just our website. But the app was was designed like I, your app was designed like in a different different millennium, a different century. Yeah, it's slightly older. Slightly. It doesn't even have 256 colors in it. We're working on it. Well, when do you think I'll work at an upgrade? Well, we're hoping in the year. A year. And then you get all these issues. So uh, that's a problem. A, a big red flag for me, Trist, is when I go to a website and I can't click on a link to that fintech company's contact form or be able to call their phone number or reach a page and it says it's not valid. That says to me, if they can't get a website right with the pages that are up there, I don't care if the website's not big. Just put the pages up right the first time. Make sure it's spell checked properly. Put mm. more less rather than more, right? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I think I think you're right that uh, there is a lot of I'm gonna have this design kind of uh, screenshots of uh, of an app that you will never use, um, and you're like, yeah, but why are you showing me something that I will never see? It's a bit. It's a bit like a video game when you have the trailer of a video game and it's looking great. And then you play the video game and it's like, well, what what the hell? It has nothing to do with the trailer. So you're just you're just lying here. Um, right. Yeah, you're you're a using fintech. a version that was five versions ago uh, or that, that manuals for five versions ago or the screen you're looking at. Uh, that's not our latest release. That one's not. That's in our beta. That's not released yet. Well, that's what mm. you market. No, it's coming. It's just not, it's got some bugs. Well, then don't show it to me on the site that you're selling. Oh, well, it's kind of like that. No, it isn't. It's it's not even close. Yeah. Uh, well, Tristan, I got to tell you, this has been very, very interesting and hopefully eye-opening for many of our viewers here today, uh, both on Jaymore Tech Talk as well as a public educational government TV. And for all of our syndicators around the United States and the world that, that follow our, our tech program, uh, Tristan, I have to ask you before we have to say goodbye, because unfortunately we do have to say goodbye. Uh, is there anything you'd like to leave our viewers with how they can reach out to you or any parting words you'd like to share with them? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to, to people so they can reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or I encourage them to go to fintechreview.net um, and read the articles and interviews and guest posts that are, are released uh, quite regularly and subscribe to the newsletter where I ramble about what's going on in fintech every week. So I do recommend them. Doing I think that. it's important to keep your finger to the pulse. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching us live, we will be putting this in archive usually within a few weeks. It'll be on our main site, jmore.com under shows. You'll not only be able to replay this because there are a lot of nuggets in here. I know, but he's not going to remember all this. Even the, the, the highest financial experts. I have to say that we're also going to transcribe the show, which we do with all of them. But I want to leave this message for a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are in the millennial phase, a lot of people that are in this I know more than you phase, and they're the financial risk analysis. A lot of these people are coming out of school. And 
A lot of them believe they know fintech, but they don't. They think just because they used an app or they used a banking application, they don't understand even 10% of what fintech is. Would you agree, Tristan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you need to understand how the financial service behind works uh, because this is a very important thing that you know when you think fintech there is technology but there is finance so you need to understand that one without the other is is just is just technology but you need to understand the finance part um, and how it you got to understand basically how debits and credits work you got to understand how payments work to i like to say build the life cycle of the sales and the success of any company or even your own personal finances. So you understand what goes in, what comes out, and you have a, a flow with how it works. And if you don't understand that flow, even what has to be paid to the government, if you don't understand that, you can't possibly be in FinTech. There's just, there's no, well, you're gonna have a lot of dissatisfied clients. Tristan, it was a privilege, a pleasure, and honor to have you on our uh, talk show today. Really wanna thank you for your time. and educating us with um, all the uh, great nuggets you shared with us and for sharing your website, which uh, FinTech Reviews. Definitely uh, check that out, everyone, uh, to learn about uh, just some things that are happening in the industry. Where are things going? So, you know, keep your, uh, I like to say, you know, uh, keep your finger on the pulse because FinTech is something that if you ever take your finger off, you may not be able to get back on for a long time and it might cost you a lot of money. Tristan, again, uh, thank you very much for your time. And uh, we wish you all the best. And maybe we will talk to you again when we have some other uh, fintech um, breakthroughs in the industry. Thanks for having me, John. That was great. My pleasure. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.